Welcome to the Montage Podcast. Uh, welcome to a very special episode of the Montage. Um, this one, the 13th episode, we are broadcasting from a shed this time. You may be able to hear the uh, piney wooden uh, surroundings and possibly feel the body heat that is accumulating in here as we're broadcasting to you. Uh, my name is Joe Sparrow and uh, joining me in the shed is uh, Quiz Queen and uh, all-round Montag star Catherine. Hi. Lovely to have you here as always. And immediate thoughts on broadcasting from a shed? Uh, the smell is fantastic. I think if we sweat enough in here, we'll get that uh, spa, sauna vibe going on. I think we're, the, the steam is certainly accumulating in here. Uh, I'm not pointing any fingers, but Tom. That's the sound you hear of me running out the door of the shed. <laughs> uh, and, uh, well, we're in a shed which is in the Grover offices here in Berlin, uh, Grover being the kind uh, benefactors behind uh, the Montage and Montage WTF. And for some reason, they now have sheds uh, inside the building. And we thought we'd broadcast from one. They've got to be for some reason. Yeah. And Maybe this is it. Yeah. So here we are, Radio Shed. Episode 13, then, of the Montage uh, builds a little bit on from the last one, episode 12, which was the dystopian movie special. Uh, and this one dallies with another form of art, uh, that is music. And creative bots and AI. Um, it's a creative innovation special. Uh, so, what is the montage? Uh, the montage is the companion podcast to Montage WTF. Uh, it's where we look at future technology and current implementations of it that is trying to get us into the future and figure out how it's going to work with uh, the insignificant human beings who have to live with it. It's also a magazine a print magazine, a weekly email, and this here podcast. And on the podcast, we dig into some of these smash hits from the mag. By the way, the gorgeous print version of the magazine is uh, currently being splurged to workspaces, cafes, bars, uh, etc., all over Germany. So you keep an eye out if you're living in uh, Germany. And um, we're digging into uh, issue three of the magazine at the moment, which is called Coding Creativity. So in this episode, for instance, uh, Fun with Neural Networks, uh, Catherine is investigating the reigning queen of making funny, silly, and downright bizarre texts with neural networks and new musical excess, why musicians are ignoring the brand new instruments that are being invented. Uh, plus, quiz queen Catherine is hitting her stride once more, and her new quiz compromises on nothing short of chaos in The Mystery Montage. Montag.wtf and The Montage is brought to you by Grover, the fresh alternative to owning things giving people a better way to live, work, and play using the latest tech products by simply subscribing to them monthly. So if you fancy trying out, for example, an HTC Vive or an Apple Watch, Grover is perfect for you. Check out the latest stuff to rent from Grover right now at getgrover.com, and you can enjoy tomorrow today. Let's boldly stride forward, and uh, Catherine's going to uh, talk us over the first topic of discussion today. Um which is from issue three, and it's fun with neural networks. Uh, Catherine, can you just explain a bit from that article, please? Janelle Shane is the reigning queen of making funny, silly, and downright bizarre texts with neural networks. She's an electrical engineer who works with holographic laser beams by day and plays with neural networks in her spare time. 
Janelle Shane's projects started going viral last year, with a popular one being a neural network that could design and name paint colors. Her conclusions, the neural network really likes brown, beige, and gray, and has really, really bad ideas for paint names like Clardic Fug, Burble Simp, and Stanky Bean. <laughs> Training the network on 1,500 names from the My Little Pony Friendship is Magic wiki, she had one experiment naming new My Little Ponies. With names like Rainbow Dash and Fluttershy already extant in the Ponyverse, this one was marked as a partial success. While plausible ponies like Sunshine Star and Glowberry were produced, there were also ponies like Cheese Breeze, Apple Ranch, and Groan. So You're already <laughs> losing you're losing it, Joe. The the challenge in this section is to see if we can get through it with whilst Catherine names these ridiculous uh, but plausible things that have been come up with by the AI without us collapsing in fits of giggles. I think a perfectly good podcast would be just listing these off for half an hour, every single name. It's, I wonder, what would a room painted with stanky bean look like? It's a shade of brown, right? It's actually kind of pinky. <laughs> that sure is a stanky bean. <laughs> wow. Um, let's Before we just list ridiculous names of things that have been invented by a computer and laugh at them... So Janelle Shane is a kind of one of the heroes of our time in many respects. How does this work? She feeds AI existing texts and it spits out stanky bean. It's got to be more complicated than that. Yeah, let me bore you with some super basic computer science before we laugh a lot. Um, so neural networks use what's called LSTM, which stands for long short-term memory. And what Janelle Shane uses are three neural network frameworks um, that are called Care RNN, spelled char RNN, which means a recurrent neural network that generates one character at a time. So given a bunch of characters in a row, it generates a function using LSTM that you input Y and get out X. And the function it makes up from looking at the data lets it guess that given that input Y, what the reasonable next character for X will be. So you could put in, for example, I think this was done, you put in the work of Shakespeare, it understands how each letter sort of off, more often fits with the next than not, and then how those words fit with other words, and it sort of generates sentences that are almost recognisably Shakespearean, but not Shakespeare. Yeah, and the um, I think for Shakespeare or something where you'd want longer lines produced instead of character by character, there are different... Um, neural network programming sequences. I think they use stuff like Markov chains, which, uh, which I think are what a lot of people use for Twitter bots. You feed it a bunch of Twitter data and it spits out something that's 140 or 280 characters that looks like that data. So you sort of chain together a few different sort of bits of AI or algorithms, if you like, one to sort of generate the text, one to sort of add limitations to it. So you could, for instance, give it, say that they need to rhyme or they need to have stanzas or something like that to create poetry. 
I mean, could anyone use these? Is this easy? Yeah, it's probably not easy to write those algorithms from scratch, but the three frameworks that Janelle Shane uses are publicly available. They're written in Python and powered by TensorFlow, which is an open source software library for machine learning. So theoretically, you can also do this yourself at home. Uh, all the tools are available online. And she's written a good amount about how to do it on her blog, which is AIWeirdness.com. She obviously has the knack for self-promotion as well because she's she's doing God's work as far as I'm concerned, coming up with all these things. Um, My Little Ponies, I mean, Cheese, cheese Breeze. That's the one that got you? It's Apple Ranch for me. Come on, Grown is amazing. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the funny thing about these things is they're almost plausible. I mean, I, I wouldn't doubt that at some point in the My Little Pony history, somebody pitched an idea for a pony called Cheese Breeze that was yellow and had orange hair or something. Why not? I mean, but this is the thing, right? It's it's sort of nudging, it's touching the sort of edges of human uh, inventiveness and getting it hilariously wrong. But so do humans. Yeah, and I guess one of the questions is, is this going to get better? And by better, I mean more human and more hilarious. You can see in a lot of her experiments, actually, she'll show what the first round of outputs is because they get smarter the more you train the neural networks. So usually round one is very far from something a human would consider passable. But round three or two or three, it gets real-ish. There was another one, speaking of the My Little Ponies, where she also named metal bands and then she had a neural network trained on both data sets and she could feed it any piece of data and it would tell you what percentage it was similar to My Little Pony or what percentage it was similar to metal. So you could feed it a name and say, okay, is this more My Little Pony or is this more metal? So are you saying that it kind of, it's, it kind of is like working in an advertising agency and going through repeated rounds of brainstorming in that it sort of says, right, let's just dump all the, like, the crazy ideas on this board, guys, and then they're all ridiculous. And then they just basically pick the least ridiculous one to pitch to the client. Yeah, you could use a neural network as a automatic spaghetti-throwing machine. I mean, and a serious question, and do you think that might happen? Because, you know, if you've got, you know, you could, if, if you are working in, let's, let's stick with this terrible advertising idea, but if you were working to advertise uh, trainers, sneakers, and you could, could you feed an AI lots of taglines and names of sneaker names and things and say, right, come up with a hundred of them and we'll take it from there? Yeah, I'm sure it's already been done in the world of advertising for other real world applications, anything that has to do with pattern classification or predictions or uh, optimizing a a process through like repetition, um, that's what neural networks are actually good for. So they've been used to predict weather patterns, predicting heart attacks from EEG data, um, a lot of financial applications, financial analysis. These don't sound so funny. No. Um, let's go back to the AI weirdness. Yeah. So does this classify, I mean, this issue is around coding creativity. Does this classify as art? And is she the artist or is the AI the artist? I think that's a great question. I would say it's art because it's as entertaining to me. I mean, it has the same effect on me as a viewer as art should have. 
So if that's if your definition of art is based on the response that it the emotional response that it creates in the audience, it's definitely art. The point is, I mean, it's a reasonable point that you can, you know, you could pass it off as art. There are examples already of, of visual artists who have used AI to paint like them. And then who gets to sell the art and keep it? Is it the AI? Is it the painter? Is it who gets the copyright on that? There was a big uh, case a few years ago about um, a monkey that had taken a photo and there was the um, sort of an ownership battle of whether or not the the monkey owns the license to the photo or the photographer who left his camera there. And I think the monkey was winning last time I I read about it. I don't remember who won either. I only remember the monkey was named Naruto. Wow. Um... Do you remember the name of the photographer? No. Then we know who the artist is. <laughs> the ultimate insult. Yeah, the monkey got the fame, for yeah. sure. But one of the one of the other things that neural networks are, are being good for is um, self-driving cars. If it has to identify a cat or a dog or a person or a rock in the middle of the road and make a decision. These are decision-making engines are also powered by neural networks. Does it also have the processing power to name these items before it then chooses which one to crash into? I mean... You would definitely want to run down cheese breeze. <laughs> well, there was, there was a recent paper published in Nature, the, the International Science Journal, called the Moral Machine Experiment. They quizzed millions of people in 23 different countries on who a car should choose to kill. Right. I, I thought this might be interesting for the podcast. Bottom of the list, definitely keep driving. Cat, then criminal. Then Donald Trump. Then dog. Okay. Really? I mean, he's a criminal, but then old people. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> then it's old people, homeless people, and large people. Right. Then coming from the opposite direction, who should be spared above all else? Strollers, kids. Pregnant ladies, male and female doctors, then female athletes and female executives, then male athletes and male executives. And male executives are barely over the line for sparing. It's one way of hitting our boardroom quotas, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And large woman is barely under the line for sparing. So it's kind of bizarre because most male executives should be killed for being overweight or criminal first. But I guess if they're wearing a suit, they'll, they'll get away with it. And someone on Twitter said, we're going to have to start wearing stethoscopes so we don't get run over by self-driving cars. So AI is going to make a decision based on what we wear. I'm going to hide in a stroller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whilst wearing athletic gear. Yeah, sounds easy. That'll confuse it. And your name can be, oh, I don't know, <laughs> Nike Cheese. We'll work on that. Okay. So there, there are actual useful real-world applications and yet, it still feels... I mean, is this something we're going to notice or is it just going to be folded into technology? Like like, like a phone is full of a, diff- a million different libraries of software that we'd never notice. I think it's that, that neural networks are just a hot topic right now. It's kind of a buzzword to say, oh, but mine has machine learning. Um, and I think the, the smartphone I'm holding right now, I think, does have some kind of AI in its processors. And, like, it's here. It's already... Uh, a hot thing that's being sold to us. To get back to sort of the creative part then, it can be a tool that we can use. So Tom, for instance, you know, we, we, we've sort of talked about advertising. Tom is the uh, marketing supremo at Grover. You could 
could, I mean, could you, would it be helpful then if you had to come up with, let's say, a new slogan for the business or for a part of the business? To, you know, part of the idea is when you're brainstorming is to come up with ideas that are on the fringe of your thoughts. I mean, would this be something that would be genuinely useful? If it, you could say, right, throw me 100 ideas out of new slogans for this particular product. Yeah, why not? And then not only can you get the, the list of crazy, wacky ideas, but presumably it could do some kind of uh, matching or sorting algorithm to see like which kind of uh, messages are going to resonate with your kind of target consumer. You can just cut out a lot of steps in the process. Yeah. Can I read you one? Uh, she tried to make a neural network generate Burma shave jingles. Speaking of advertising. Okay. So here's an example of, of a real Burma shave. Burma shave is a shaving foam. Yeah. And it was actually, they made these little um, rhyming poems that were posted on billboards. So as you drive down the highway, you read like okay. one line at a time and then it says Burma shave. So here's, here's one real one. I'd heard it praised by drugstore clerks. I tried the stuff. Hot dog. It works. Burma shave. Pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, I'd that was that. that was a real one. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then that's now, now here's the one by the neural network. <laughs> I can't even. All right, the cream. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I need to collect myself. I need to start over. Okay. It's. Maybe I should have inhale, you read it. Inhale the um, the pine scented uh, shed fumes, and maybe that will. <sighs> All right, here's the the neural network one. The cream. That's it. <laughs> sorry, I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. Joe, please please read the computer generated. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> We can't do it. Okay. <clears throat> the cream that's in it. The cream. One hears. The last strong. Burma shave. Oh, that is profound. That's like... Uh, is that poetry. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's dawdling somewhere near the edge of consciousness, isn't it? It could be a... It feels like a translation of a very, very old haiku. Yeah, I, I mean, I can read you some more Please. ones that didn't make it into the article. These are new since it was written. Um, she always does really funny ones around Halloween. So here are some horror movie titles right. from a network trained on 78,000 from IMDb. And this is these are from the first round. The Funny Bear, Missing Bun, Fish Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually terrifying. Those were from round one. The the better ones here are from round two. Like same data set, but the it's had more time to, to mm -hmm. think. Uh, case of the big monster. That's okay. It could be real. Yeah. Dracula's holiday. The interbother. The <laughs> sorry. <laughs> There's other holidays that keep slipping in here. The Christmas man werewolf. And the scream fish tapes. Wow. It's got a thing about fishes. I don't remember fish being really a big part of horror movies in general. I mean, there was the whole Sharknado ph ph phenomenon, but I don't know how the fish would come from that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, 
craft beers made it into the article but she did another one recently with seasonal flavors so these are your spooky pumpkin spice craft beers spice prophecy dead that's that's my cologne (laughs) (laughs) dead pumpkin storm that's joe's cologne (laughs) uh perpkey stumpkin and one called Pumpkin, butt pumpkin, and oh, butt pumpkin. <laughs> and those all seem like pretty real. I'm. I would like to. This is. This sounds like. like it sounds like you're working in an advertising agency with people with head injuries. <laughs> <laughs> um. I'll. I'll do one. One more that I pulled yeah. to uh, just give an example of a more recent one. But if you. If you want more of these, she actually has a newsletter. You can subscribe right. to her blog. And you get bonus content uh, if you join the newsletter. So that link will be beneath the podcast. This is yeah. an essential sign, clearly. These were college courses based on the UC San Diego catalog. Strange and modern biology, advanced smiling equations, the papering too, and ancient anthropology. Wow! And those, I would, I would take those. I'd sign up, I think. I mean, I think whatever we think about this, there's definitely a... um, We've talked in the past, just to finish this off, about AI writing movie scripts, AI um, composing music. It it does feel like, at least in the immediate future, we're going to be using this technology as as that initial creative... People, you know, you hear this classic thing, people have writer's block. Well, you couldn't after this. If I had the wherewithal to set up a neural network that would help me write more captivating blog posts or generate more video content ideas. Um, People are actually Burger King did a campaign recently where they used a neural network, but I think it was fake. They said a neural network came up with these new slogans and it was very similar to the Burma shave, like the cream that's in it. Um, It was, it was almost exactly like the beef your face hole, like. <laughs> pretty, pretty spot on. You don't need to know anything else. I think on that note, thank you, Catherine. Well, hopefully will not be replaced by the time you hear the next podcast, but it sounds equally likely uh, based on the evidence. Thank you very much. The Montage Podcast is brought to you by Grover. So as the temperature rises here in uh, the shed that we are locked into, um, and the air gets all the more pungent. It's time, in that case, to move on to this episode's mystery montage. The mystery montage. Catherine, um, after the uh, side-splitting chuckles that have preceded this, you have your work cut out here. And what is today's mystery montage quiz? All right, we're doing another bot or not quiz. Brilliant. Since we're going to talk about music soon, I'm going to give you some examples of music and you have to tell me if it was created by a neural network or not. So we have actual samples of music here. We have uh, about 20 second clips. So uh, they're going to be in different genres, so don't get too comfortable. Okay, so you're going to play a clip of music and we have to guess if it's been composed by a human being or a bot. Yes. Right, here's your first clip. Jaunty. Mm. 
You won last time. I think you can go first. Uh, I think you won actually. I won last time. So but I'll, I'll go first go anyway. First. <laughs> that was very honest of me. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of honesty, that feels like it has a touch of authenticity that only a mad human can provide. And I'm still bobbing my head to it, so I'm going human. It was certainly a a bit of a head knobber. Head... <laughs> <laughs> Take two. Joe, professional music critic. <laughs> it was suddenly a foot tapper, and um, it does have. I it had it had something human about it, and initially I did think it was human, but as it went on, I thought it was too perfect. There was something not quite jazzy enough about it. I think that's a machine. Okay, point for Joe. RNN generated from YouTube channel Algorithmic Music Composer. Wow. The description of this computer-generated jazz improvisation says it demonstrates a walking bass line and a guitar melody over predefined chord changes. Okay. That it does. It certainly does, but, but you could put that... If you went into a cafe and that was playing, no one would complain. Yeah, no one would know. Because no one would be in the cafe. <laughs> right. Clip number two. Number two. I think that's human. I don't know why it felt human to me. So it was much more basic than the first, which would indicate bot. But maybe then it's a trick, because I know there's so many tricks in this game. But I also heard a few flat notes in there, so I reckon it's either a bot or a human pretending to be a bot, in which case, are they really human? (laughs) Your answer is then... Bot. Bot. Okay. Point for Tom was a bot RNN generated by a Daniel Johnson. He has a blog post at hexahedira.com about how the computer reached this composition after thousands of iterations. Well identified, Tom. It's kind of sad, right? Kind of a melancholy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is your last clip. Okay. One all, by the way, at this point. Tom, you have first go on this one. There is no way that is not human. That is such a dirge. No robot could have come up with that. Human. Right, so I'm playing 4D chess here, much like Donald Trump. And I think we are being led to believe by its context that this is human. And I agree with you. It sounds utterly human because it's terrible. But I think it's a bot that is trained on bad 15-year-old's guitar recordings, of which I have a cupboard full somewhere. So I think that is bot. All right, game to Joe. Woo-hoo! Two Joe, one Tom. This is a robot band. 
called Three Sirens. It's actually made by robotic instruments controlled by a neural network, and this clip is from an eight-hour club performance in Hamburg. Uh, they have a MySpace, myspace.com slash Three Sirens. I think I'm a, I'm well, a fan So they're now. robots from the future, but they're living in the past. That's good to hear. <laughs> I, I, feel, I think that's worth a trip to Hamburg for an eight-hour set. I'd rather go to Hamburg than go on MySpace. So, um, fascinating. Uh, thanks, uh, Catherine. That was um, certainly taught us a lot about what AI is capable of doing. Because once AI is capable of convincing me sounding like crap human art, I think we're on the road to it creating all art. Uh, and thank you very much for this mystery montage. The Montage Podcast is brought to you by Grover. Okay, for our second story this week, we're going to dive into something Joe has titled New Musical Excess, why musicians are ignoring the newest instruments and what they'll play next. So in an age of constant technical innovation, where are all these new musical instruments? Joe, tell us a little bit. If you've ever endured the dubious pleasures of the pub quiz, you may have faced the following question. What is the most recent widely adopted musical instrument? Uh, Pay attention all you real ale drinking bearded pedants because the answer is the turntable which was first scratched to make music in the mid 1970s by none other than yes grand wizard theodore so it's him you can thank for run dmc dj shadow and limp biscuits signature sound new instruments have generally sparked new musical revolutions the beatles needed the electric guitar hip-hop needed the drum machine and prog rock needed endless banks of synthesizers to accurately bore its audience to death while performing songs about Lord of the Rings. We're in an age of constant technical innovation that's happening at a faster rate than ever before. So where are all the new instruments? Why am I still plucking unsuccessfully at this guitar when I could be tooting unsuccessfully into my holofenor? Well, holofenor does sound like it came out of Lord of the Rings as well. But is that a real one? And what other examples of these new musical instruments do you have for us? Uh, the holofenor is uh, an invented musical instrument from Futurama, the Matt Groening produced TV show. Um, but it's uh, actually new instruments that have been invented do have similarly ridiculous names. And the interesting part is that none of them have been adopted by musicians. And we're in a time when more music is being uh, invented than ever before. And more people are able to record stuff and upload it immediately to SoundCloud and share it. Um, people are not adopting brand new instruments. Um, they're just sticking with the old-fashioned ones, or at least it's seen. So there's a lot of good, you know, guitarist singers, and there's a lot of piano-playing um, artists, and non-playing, for instance, the Eigenharp, which I'll play you a clip of now. The Eigenharp is a weird hybrid of guitar, um, sampler, and oboe. And it is covered in flashing lights. And this is a real instrument. This isn't something that's sort of uh, been invented and there's one version of by some sort of wacky inventor. This is a real instrument for sale that anyone can uh, buy and play. So to talk you through this, this is the James Bond theme on the Eigenharp. And they're kind of playing it like a keyboard with their hands to play these background noises. And then they're also going to start blowing into it like an oboe. The part where they were blowing into it, it has a very, like, didgeridoo vibe. <laughs> very kind of wavy sound. You would think that would be enough to put people off. 
that it has a did, weird did you do vibe. You're not a not a Didge not fan. Not a massive Didge fan, Tom. You you ever been to Glastonbury and sort of tripped out to the dulcet sounds of the uh, Didge? I have a friend who owns a didgeridoo. Sorry, I should say I had a friend who owned a didgeridoo. Which was lost, the friend or the Didge? Yeah, you decide. Oh. <laughs> I mean, the, the weird thing with the Eigenhop is that it is, it's, it's sort of, it's for people who want to be able to perform on a sampler. So they're hitting buttons to make pre-recorded sounds happen. But also it has sort of strings and, and, and chording opportunities so you can play it a bit like a guitar. And then you blow into it for some reason. But obviously it's is, is capable of producing these really amazing and inventive sort of sounds. What's the name of the keyboard that you blow into? You know the ones with a little tube that comes out of the oh, side? It's a... Uh, I don't think a it's... Melodica. A melodica. Melodica's kind of like that. Um, there is also a... Uh, famously, in terms of new instruments, there's ones which catch the, the imagination, but people don't really want to play, and there was the uh, Wintergaten 3D printed machine where you crank a wheel and marbles get spat out of the machine and they hit certain parts of the machine and make music. So imagine, if you will, um, thousands of ball bearings being lifted up a machine to a top and then them hitting metal things to make noises. Seems like an exceedingly elaborate way of doing something rather simple. I think this is more um, of one of those sort of an example of what you can do with 3D printing and ball bearings, which and is a lot of free time. A lot of free time, which, albeit incredibly expensive, but um, would you ever play one yourself? Maybe not. The way that they run down the track, it's almost like a, a player piano or something. Like you can see exactly. the notes rolling yeah. down. I, I think it's a really nice kinetic sculpture. So again, what we've got here is another instrument that's just too complicated to be used by the standard person. And think about that. People complain about how hard it is to learn the guitar. I mean, it is difficult. So what people are, seem to be inventing is more complicated instruments. And then there's also this one, one more example here called the, the Yebaha. And it's an enormous, you need a room for this instrument. And it's kind of like, two big sticks with pans on the end and with springs on them and you kind of play the springs? Oh, you can play it with a bow. All right. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty beautiful. Yeah, um, I take it back. Now that's what I call music. Trademark. <laughs> seal of approval from uh, the Montag Music Reviewing uh, Department. Um, and again, though, it's a, it's a very large, impractical uh, instrument that you probably only see at special exhibitions. So w what we've got is a, uh, people seem to be inventing a series of um, these instruments, which really no one wants to play. They want something that is, you know, complicated is fine. The piano is complicated as, a, as an instrument. Guitars are complicated to learn. They don't mind that, but they want them to be simple. And I think the idea that people aren't using these um, new instruments is more to do with the fact that we kind of have quite a good palette of different instruments now. And the newer instruments, if you think about it, are ones that are essentially electronic and don't exist in the real world. And there's two ways of looking at this. And we've talked about Brian Eno before and his album that was self-generative, Generative Music. Uh, he sells the app called Reflection. It's $30.99 in the app store. 
okay? And it's every time you play it, it's it plays uh, uh, something different. It plays a different music that's being generated at that moment when you press it. There's an argument to say it's a one-button music instrument where, you know, you press it and it plays something. You don't really control it, but sound comes out and it's new. And we've heard some of it before, and uh, it's, you know, it's very chill. I mean, it should be very chill, but I, I don't know if I would buy a $30 app to make music that sounds like Brian Eno's music. I think I would just listen to the music that he already made. I mean, because there is something to be said for having a human composer who puts it together, right? Right. And this is, goes back a bit to what you were talking about with AI writing things. You know, do, is what we want in the end, do we want that human input? You, you, the raw materials can be AI-oriented, but do we want, in the end, to know, even if we can't tell that humans have made it? Yeah, because even if the computer is doing all the composition... I still think I'll like it better if it's curated by Brian Eno. I think this is maybe how things are going to work out in the future, that we have this world where um, the majority of composition is perhaps whatever that is, art or words or whatever, is done by computers, and then we inject the human part at the end. Yeah, and I, I could be an idiot for having that opinion. If you played me a bunch of air conditioner noise and told me it was Brian Eno and I liked it, it's then, the okay. greatest heist in the world. He's been doing that for 40 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and who lives in a mansion? Right? <laughs> Not, Not the us. air conditioning guy. <laughs> yeah, right. But this is, so we're on the topic of like, what's real and what's not. What about in actual virtual reality? There mm. must be musicians and musical instruments being created for, for that. Well, I wonder if this is actually where these, these sort of two worlds of new future instruments and people actually using them is going to collide. And, and the reason I say that is the newest instruments that are being used all the time are ones that live within digital audio workstations. So they can call up a, a ton of virtual instruments and tweak them endlessly. I would argue that the, the, the newest instrument that's being used is just the ability to endlessly tweak. And you can see in recent years this stream of new sounds and new types of styles of music coming out. And I think when you add virtual reality into that, and, for example, there are programs like uh, Lyra VR where, a bit like you were saying with the modular AI earlier, you, you take a module that's, you know, and you virtually drop something into space in front of you. Uh, this block makes this type of noise. This block does this to the noise and modulates it somehow, and you connect those two blocks together. And then you draw a pattern in the air with the wand in virtual reality, and it moves, and every dot on that line that you draw, you put nodes at corners, that's the, the beat, and as it progresses, the, the dot moves around this line. It plays instruments at certain points, as if it's a sequencer. This is, and, and, and to change things, all you do is you physically move something in space, in virtual space in front of you, and that tweaks it live. And then it records the audio in 360-degree audio, so depending where you're looking, it sounds differently. That sounds more reasonable as, as, as a composition tool to me than, than like a cross between an oboe and a guitar. When new technologies come together, you, the initial use cases are kind of gimmicky. And you don't really see the, the, the real sort of um, depth of use of them until much later. And I think this is one of the earlier examples of how VR can be used in a really, really rich way. Rather than just drawing things in space, you're drawing music in space. I think I played with something that was built in that, where mm. if you poked a blob of goo in the air, it made a, so it made a noise. Um, that's really fun. It sounds like a dream. 
That was reality? Virtual reality? Virtual reality, yeah. yeah. I think Blob of Goo in virtual reality might be my new favorite instrument. I think it was also one of the uh, generated My Little Pony names. (laughs) So, new instruments. We, you know, while there's a whole bunch which are not being adopted, in a few years we could be seeing people perform in virtual reality, and of course then we can just play them back, play the experiences back live as soon as um, we want to as well. So it could actually change the whole consumption. Of yeah, and there's a good argument to be made that one of the biggest um, changes to the music industry over the last 20 years has been you know, obviously the rise of the the laptop, the bedroom DJ, and the ability to kind of remix anything that they want in the world and make it their own, put their own spin on it. Now, if you take that to the next logical level of interaction and computing, doing that in virtual reality, um, I can see how that could really take off and create a whole new layer of weird personal creativity. Yeah, and editing. I mean, and remixing. Imagine if St. Vincent, for instance, composed something in VR, and then you could then step inside the song exactly as she composed it and move things around to fine-tune and remix every little part to, to, your, um, to your preference. You, so all of a sudden, the listener is also a composer, the listener is in the instrument which is inside the song. That sounds really exciting. Yeah, I'd be really excited to poke a blob of goo that St. Vincent had somehow in some way previously poked. Yeah. Tom, any thoughts along those lines? <laughs> I don't know, but you could probably find that on eBay. <laughs> I started off this topic a bit depressed at the innovation in new music uh, and instruments, and now I'm all in. The Montage Podcast is brought to you by Grover. Okay, so we've talked AI uh, creating My Little Ponies, um, we've listened to some music that's been composed by humans slash AI, and we've talked about uh, music that's been composed by AI slash humans at the end of it. Uh, oxygen is clearly running out in this shed, and we're going to hopefully escape it before we all die. Uh, and on that note, uh, that's the end of the podcast. Don't forget to visit montag.wtf to read more of tomorrow's stories today, uh, to read our recent discussions on health tech, body implants, the future of creativity, the future of money, work and play, and the new topic in issue six of happiness. The print issues are amazing. We keep saying this because they are, so please order some. They're beautiful uh, and they are inexpensive and come with stickers. If you want to stay in touch, you can hear about Montag's latest posts via Grover's Facebook and Twitter feeds. You can find links beneath this podcast or email us at montag at getgrover.com. Thanks, as always, to uh, everyone at Grover for uh, providing the platform and the shed for the montage. And next time on the montage, let's gulp down some more delicious issue three, Coding Creativity, and episode 14 will feature some utterly revelatory stuff, including Twitterature, how Twitter has changed the art of literature from the bard to baby shoes, and sound effects. Music might be your new medicine. Um, We're going to find out how uh, Muzak may soon replace Prozac. All that coming in uh, episode 14, but uh, thank you for joining us. I've been Joe Sparrow, the editor of uh, Montag. Uh, Catherine, thank you as always for your contribution, bringing extra lols this week. Uh, Happy to be here, always bringing the lols. Always bringing the lols. Uh, And Tom, thank you as always uh, for being a fellow lolly. Yes, whatever the opposite of lols are, I brought them. Thanks once again. Uh, Goodbye and welcome to the future. The Montage Podcast is giving its listeners an exclusive 10% discount. Just visit getgrover.com, select your tech, and use the code MONTOG10. 
That's M-O-N-T-A-G-1-0.